service last week, but the last time we were in our service, we talked about Paul was changing his rags for riches. He was changing what he had once thought was making him worthy before God, once thought that was his goodness, once thought that uh, was making him right before God. He was one of those guys that says, you know what, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I don't have that much wrong with me. God's probably looking down at my life and he's pleased at me. Uh, remember he told us to rejoice in the Lord. You remember that? Rejoice in the Lord and we're the ones that uh, are the circumcision. We're the true people of God who worship God in spirit and we have no confidence in the flesh. That means anything that I do, anything that I say, I'm not, uh, I'm not basing on uh, my salvation on any of that. I'm not basing my, <coughs> excuse me, my standing before God on anything that I can do in my flesh. It says we have no confidence in the flesh. You remember that from Philippians chapter 3? And it said, basically, he listed, last time we were here, he listed all his religious works, all the things that he did good, all the things that most people would look at and say, man, Paul is doing good. That guy's really got it going on. He listed all those things. You know, maybe I go to church. Maybe I, I'm, a, I'm a prayer. I pray all the time. Maybe I'm, you know, give to the poor. Maybe I help the homeless. You know, you could list all the things that you do. Paul listed all the things that he did. Uh, if you go back and look in, in Philippians chapter 3, where we were, he, he goes through this whole list. He says in verse 4, though I might have confidence in the flesh... If any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. And then he goes through a whole list. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm stock of Israel, tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of the Hebrews, touching the law of Pharisee. He goes through a whole long list of all the things that he had done right. All the things that he had done good. All the religious things that people would look at and say, wow, that guy has got it going on. And basically in, uh, in verse uh, 8, he says, that's pretty much all dung. He said, I throw it all away. I count it all as refuse. I count it all as excrement. I count it all as poo, is what we said last time, if you remember that. It doesn't account for anything. He said, so that I may win Christ. So today, as we start right here, and we're going to go in down to probably verse 12 or 13, um, I want to show you the trade-off that he is, he is looking at. The trade-off, it's, it's something that we saw last time as we were here, as we were looking at these verses, but the Lord has really been speaking to me this week as I was, you know, I was probably going to preach something else, you know, because it's, it's, you know, first day of the new year and, you know, you got your New Year's sermon you're supposed to preach and all that, uh, and, and nothing wrong with that, but God, I, I had one and it was good, you know, I was going to do it, but God kept bringing me back to this place and he kept talking to me specifically, so I'm hoping it's going to speak to you, I'm hoping it's going to speak to you today. Um, there's one little phrase at the end of verse eight. We got through verse eight last time. One little phrase at the end of verse eight. And I, I, we talked about it a little bit, but I don't think I hit on it as good as I needed to. So I need to make sure that you see that, that phrase that I may win Christ. It says, yea, doubtless. And I count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. He says, all the religious works that I've done, all the things that I may boast in, all the things that other people would look and the world would say, man, that makes him right before God. All the things that I could say, you know what? God looks at me and he sees, he sees a guy that's not too bad. I'm nowhere near as bad as other people. I'm nowhere near as sinful as some other people. At least I'm not doing this. At least I'm, I'm, I'm home with my family. At least I'm taking care of my family. At least I'm giving uh, to the people who need, at least I'm doing a few of these things. Paul says, I count all of those works, all of those things that I do in the flesh. I count them all as dung. I count them all as loss. 
and he says, that I may win Christ. Notice the trade-off that he's, that he's showing you here. He's saying, basically he's saying, I count them all dung so that I can win Christ. I count them all dung in order to win Christ. I count them all dung that I may win Christ. It's, it's, it's not a both and. It's not a thing where you can say, uh, I, have, I have both. I have both and. You know, I, I've got Christ, but I'm also a really good person too. I've, I've got Christ, but I've also got this religion thing going on. I, I've got Christ, but I've got all these good works too. I'm, I'm a pretty good person. I, I don't never do anything really bad. Uh, I've got this religion thing down. I pray every day. I, I read my Bible every day. You know, most days, most Sundays I go to church. Uh, it, it's not one of these things where you can have one and the other tacked on to the other side. He says, Paul says, I throw all of those religious works away in order that I may win Christ, in order that I may have Christ. He says, they won't mix. They won't mix together. You can't say, you know what? I'm, I, I'm really not that bad of a guy. I'm really doing well. Um, I, I'm really not as bad a sinner as I used to be. Almost all of us could say that, you know, back when I was a teenager, I was really bad and I was doing all kinds of things back when I was in my twenties. I was, man, I was a really bad person, but now I've kind of fixed everything. Now I'm kind of, I'm kind of walking a whole lot better than I used to. I'm doing a whole lot better than I used to. I'm not near as bad as I used to be. And by the way, I've also got Christ. So as if you could stand before God, none of us would ever say this. None of us would ever let it come out of our mouths. But a lot of times our hearts go to thinking, you know what? When I stand before God, he's going to say, man, you really weren't as bad as most other people. And plus, you got Jesus, too. So you're going to get in no problem. Paul says, I take all of that, all of my works, all of my goodness, all of my own righteousness that I can come up my works in myself. And I throw it all away. I count it as dung. In order that I may win Christ so that I can win Christ. It's not a both and it's an either or you have to choose which one you're going to have presented at your trial, which one you're going to have is your righteousness. You can either have your own works. You can either have your own goodness. You can have your own righteousness, what you think is righteousness. You can have your own stuff that you do in your flesh, how good you're thinking, how well you're doing, how great you're acting, or you can have Christ. You can't have both. You can have one or the other. There's no such thing as those mixing together and Christ is going to kind of get you over the hump. He's going to provide what you're lacking. No, he's going to provide everything that you need or absolutely nothing. There's no mixing the two. You can either have all the things that you think are making you good, all the things that you are, are, are depending on, or you can have Christ. You can't have both. And the scary thing is that most people, listen to me, most people think because God is good that when they stand before him, it's going to be okay because he's good, not realizing that that's the one attribute of God that is going to be most damaging to them at the judgment. The fact that God is good because we are not We're not good. And if God is good, he's going to have to punish unrighteousness. And he will punish unrighteousness. So Paul's saying here, look, I take all this stuff, all this religion, all this Pharisee zeal, pressing the law, keeping the law, doing all these things. And I wad it up and I count it as dung. I count it as poo so that I can win Christ. 
It's not a both and. You can't have both. You need to decide. You need to decide today what what you're going to do. You're going to either have all your righteousness and say, you know what? I'm not that bad a person. It's going to be all fine. Or you can say, I am that bad of a person. And I need Christ to save me. And I'm going to depend on him. Now, all of y'all are going to agree with that. If I went through the crowd and I pointed to you and said, do you think that that's a true statement, what I just said? Do you think that, you know, that you can only have one of the... All of y'all would agree with me. So I'm not here to convince you that it's true because probably most of y'all would agree with me. But what I am saying, what I am saying is that this is harder than you think. This is harder than you think to wad up all of your goodness, all that what you think is goodness, and throw it away and say it doesn't count. It's done. I'm going to throw it in the trash pile and I'm not going to even count that. It's harder than you think to do that. So he says, he says, I count it done so that I may win Christ. Now, it's easy for us to say, you know what, I reject all my works. As far as making me righteous before God, as far as God accepting me, I reject all my works. But think about what I'm saying. Think about what Paul is saying here. I count all them dung that I may win Christ. If you took out a piece of paper today and wrote out all the things that were good about you, about your personality, about your heart, about your mind, all the things that you do that are good. I'm talking about good. I'm not talking about we think it's good, it ain't real. I'm talking about really good. You know, maybe you've got a heart for, for people that are in need. That's a good thing. Maybe you, you are a charitable person. You ever heard, you always hear the same thing about some guys. That guy will give the shirt off his back. You know, I ain't seen no shirtless people running around, but they, he'll give you the shirt off his back. Maybe you're, maybe you're a person who's devoted to, I don't know, praying every single day. That's the one thing you'll always hear. Well, I pray every day now. That's a good thing. Nothing wrong with that. That's what we're commanded to do, as a matter of fact. Maybe you're a person that's devoted to, to I don't know, coming to church. Maybe serving others. Maybe you're devoted to uh, reading your Bible. Maybe you're devoted to doing all kinds of things. Write down all the things about you that are good. I've got a good heart. I have compassion for people. Write down everything about you that you can think about that's good. And you take that piece of paper and you wad it up and you throw it away and said, the whole thing is worthless. When it comes to my relationship with God, I'm not saying it's worthless like we shouldn't be doing it. We're going to be doing it if we're the Holy Spirit lives in us. But I'm talking about what makes me right before God. What makes me saved? What makes me a child of the king? You take that piece of paper with all that good stuff. There's really good. And I know that we all have those good things about us. And you wad it up and count it as dung. That's a hard thing to do. That's a hard thing for people to do to say, you know what? I don't have anything. I, don't, I mean, I don't have anything. It's easy for us to say, you know what? I'm a sinner and I know I'm a sinner and... Okay, I got it. I, I know I'm a sinner. But it's a, it's, a, it's a whole different level to say, you know what? I have absolutely nothing good about me. I have nothing. Paul said in my flesh, there is absolutely nothing good. I have nothing on my account. I have nothing that has ever counted for righteousness in my stead. I have nothing to put on the scale when I get before God. And if he's going to weigh out my good and my bad, I don't have anything to put on the good side. I have absolutely nothing. That's a whole lot harder than it is to say, you know what? Uh, I'm not that bad. 
I mean, I know I'm a sinner and I know I need salvation, but I'm not as bad as some folks. I'm not as bad as a lot of those people out there. That's a whole lot easier. But here's the thing. You ever heard the saying, you got to be lost before you can be saved? I mean, that's that's pretty common saying. You've heard it before, and we all know that's true, and it is true. You've got to be lost before you can be saved. You've got to understand that you absolutely need a Savior. There's no such thing in Paul's mind right here. He says, and I count them all but dung that I may win Christ. There's no such thing as Paul saying, you know what, I'm pretty good. I'm doing better than I used to be doing. Not when it comes to how I am seen before the Father. Are you doing better than you used to be doing? Of course you are. The Holy Spirit lives in you. You're going to be conformed to his image every single day. You're going to be doing better. You're going to be reading your Bible. You're going to be uh, fellowshipping with the saints. You're going to be uh, praying and communicating with God. That's what saved people do. But he says, those things don't count as far as what makes me righteous before God. What makes me accepted before God? You can either have one or the other. You can have all these works, all these religious things, all these things that are good about you. You can have that and you can put that on the scale and say, I'm going to try this to see if God will accept me. Or you can take Jesus Christ in his righteousness alone, having no righteousness of yourself, absolutely trusting in what he done. It's an either or. You can't have a both and. We probably know that pretty well intuitively, but that's hard. It's hard for a religious guy. You ever notice it's harder for religious folks to get saved than it is for wicked folks? When I say wicked folks, we're all wicked, but you know what I mean? Unchurched folks. It's harder for a religious man. Why? Because they won't let go. I'm not that bad of a person. I'm not that bad. I, I I don't go out and do the things that the whole world does. I don't go out and act like them. And, you know, I don't go out and, you know, rob banks or party all night long or, 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 or do those things. I'm a responsible person. I'm a responsible member of society. I go to work. I come home. I pay my bills. I enjoy my family. I do what I'm supposed to do. I'm really not as bad as you're trying to make me out to be. When it comes to the sight of the Father, the judge of all the earth, you're either absolutely righteous or you're absolutely wicked. 100% or zero. And so you today have a choice whether you're going to, where you're going to say, you know what, I am going to take, I'm going to take my goodness. And I'm going to trust that. And I'm going to roll the dice and see if that works. I think I have been more good than I have bad. And so that is what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to hope God Hope God accepts me because of that. Understand, that means that you're lost. He says, I'm, I count all that as dumb. All that is just poo. So that I can win, so that I can win Christ. The wicked man, you ever notice the, the, the man that, the man that maybe he's a drunkard, maybe he's a drug addict, maybe he don't have anything, maybe he's squandered his whole life. You know, just picture, picture the worst kind of fella you can probably imagine. That guy is usually in a good place to get saved. Why? Because he don't have any pretense about who he is. He knows I'm a wicked man and I know there ain't nothing righteous about me. I've messed up everything. I don't have any goodness. I don't have nothing. My whole life's in shambles. Everything's everything's horrible. Everything's gone wrong. That man is in a good place for the Holy Spirit to draw him 
because he knows that he doesn't have any goodness. He doesn't have any goodness. Now, let's talk about what it means to win Christ. He tells us what it means to win Christ. I'm going to go through these kind of quick. I want you to stay with me. In verse 9, he says, this is what Paul's wanting. He said, I'm throwing away all this religious stuff. If you weren't here last week, let me just read all the things. He said, he said, to rejoice, to beware of those who are, gonna, who are going to uh, uh, bring us back into the bondage of the law. He lists all his religious accomplishments. In verse 8, he tells us, I count all those things as dung so that I can win Christ. And verse 9 says, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. He says, I don't want to be found when God comes and looks at me, when I, when I pass away and stand before God, I don't want to have anything, any righteousness of my own at all that comes by the law. I don't want to say, well, I made a 30% when it comes to the law and doing good and doing righteous. I made 30% and Jesus makes up the rest of the 70. So I'm okay. I don't want to say, you know what? I didn't do as good as everybody. I only had 10% righteousness when it comes to the law. And Jesus made up the 90%. And so I'm okay. I got 100%. He said, I want absolutely zero of the righteousness that is of the law. He says, I want to be found in him not having any of my own righteousness, which is of the law. I want to be found in him over and over. You'll see that phrase in him in the New Testament. When you're saved, you are wrapped in him. You are given his righteousness. It's his faithfulness that you're getting in on. It's his life that you're getting in on. It's his death and sacrifice and resurrection that you're getting in on. You are found in him so that you come into relationship with God. And he says, Paul says, I want to be found in him with absolutely zero I want him to look at the book of Paul's life, this is what Paul would say, and say, Paul, you never kept a single law in your dang life. What kind of life did you, you didn't keep a single law. And he says, that's right, the only thing I have is Jesus. He says, I don't want to have any righteousness which is of the law. I don't want to have anything on my account other than Christ, other than what he did. I don't want to have anything. I don't want anything staining my account. I don't want to share it. I don't want to have partly of the righteousness of the law, uh, partly of what Christ did. Remember, after Paul was saved, he did keep the law, the law that's on his heart. Don't have any other gods before me. He didn't have any other gods before him. He did keep the law, not perfectly, but he did keep it in, in some form. He lived after Christ. He followed after Christ. He was a Holy Spirit indwelt believer who was following uh, the commands of Christ. So theoretically, he could say, you know, after I was converted, I I did decent. I mean, I didn't do perfect, but I, I did better. I did better than I did before. But even then, he said, look, I don't want any of that on my account. I don't want to stand before the Father and say, you know what, after I was converted... You know, I did, I did a lot of good stuff. Look how many churches I started. Look how many witnessing opportunities I had. Look how many times I taught the scripture. Look how many times I helped people, help churches to grow. Look how many times I suffered for your name. I was beaten and, and thrown in jail. Look at all those things. Paul says, I don't want any of that on my account. I don't want any righteousness on me that, that it comes by the law. He said, the only righteousness I want is to be found in him 
The righteousness that comes through faith in Christ. In my Sunday school class, we're going through Genesis. Um, one chapter at a time, showing how Je- even the book of Genesis, all the way at the beginning, is about the gospel. It's about that. And so the, at the fall, Adam and Eve, you know, you know the story. I don't have to go through the whole story. Adam and Eve fell. They ate of the fruit that they were not supposed to eat from. And they realized all of a sudden that they're naked. What did they do? They sewed fig leaves together. They tried to cover their shame. They tried to cover their nakedness. And God comes strolling through the garden on the cool of the day. And he says, where are you? And Adam pops up out of the bushes. I mean, I don't know if he pops up out of the bushes, but it just seemed like he popped. He said, I was scared because I was naked and I hid from you. But God found him. And when he found him, imagine what God saw. He saw a man who had sinned. He saw a man who had directly defiled God's commandment, who had directly denied God's commandment, disobeyed God's commandment. And in order to hide his shame, he tried to work by sewing these things together in order to cover his shame and to cover his nakedness. He was found in his guilt. He didn't just say, I mean, that's the thing. It's kind of funny. He didn't pop up and say, God, I sinned and I hid from you. No, he didn't say that. He didn't come out and confess. He said, I was naked. And so I hid from you. And so God found him in his shame. God found him in his guilt. Of course, you know the story. God curses the creation. God punishes the man, the woman, the serpent. He he does all that. And then finally, God himself makes a sacrifice by slaying an animal and covering the man and the woman with the animal. Covering with his skins, covering the first blood sacrifice that pointed to Christ. Paul's saying here, look, when God finds me, when he comes looking for me and he says, you know what, where are you? When Paul dies and stands before him, I don't want to be found with anything that I have tried to sew together. I don't want to be found with any kind of work. I don't want to be found with any kind of thing that I have put on my account. I don't want to be found with any of that. The only thing I want to be found in is in Christ with the righteousness that comes by the faith of Christ. Righteousness that comes of God by faith. That's the only faith. That's the only righteousness that I want to be found in him. He makes a choice. I don't want any of the dung of my good works. I want to be found in Christ. And so in in verse nine, as we read that just a moment ago, it says, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ. Now, when you think about I've never kept the law, can you apply that to yourself? Like I said, it's it's easy to, to say in theory. I understand that. But think about you. Think about your life. I mean, you just you just think about who you are, your own heart, your own mind. Can you say, I have never, ever kept the law at no point in my life? I mean, you can say that, but it's a whole different thing to feel the weight of that. If we read, if, if I flip over, I'll just read it to you. You don't have to flip nowhere. Read Romans 3. You know exactly what it says. It's no, no surprise. Romans 3, chapter 10, or Romans chapter 3, verse 10 says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understands. That means you're not righteous. That means you don't understand. That means me too. There is none that seeks after God. It says you don't seek after God. It says, 
They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. He says their throat is an open sepulcher, which is a grave. With their tongues, they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, destruction and misery in their ways. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, be honest. When I read those verses and you saw them on the screen, there was something way down deep inside of you that said, that's not talking about me. That's talking about other folks. I know I ain't that bad. I, I know it says there is no one that seeks God, but, but I do seek God. I mean, come on. It, it can't be talking about me. I mean, I know I ain't perfect. I know I hadn't done everything the way I'm supposed to do. I know I'm not living exactly the way God wants me to do. I got a lot of work to do. I got a lot of things I got to fix. You know, I, I understand that. But those verses right there are saying that I've never done anything righteous. And that's not me. That's not me. I, I know I've got one or two things at least that I've got right. When it comes to the judgment of the Father, when you stand before him, the answer to that question is absolutely not. You don't have anything in your own flesh, in your own works, in your own heart that makes you righteous. But in Christ, you have nothing but absolute perfect righteousness. And there's no sin to be found in your heart, no sin to be found in your life, no sin to be found anywhere about you when you are in Christ Jesus. And so it says, look, I counted all those things as lost. I threw them away. I counted them as dung so that I can win Christ and be found in him. Not having my own righteousness. I don't want any of it. That righteousness comes by the law, but I want the righteousness which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God, by faith, in him. It's access by faith. Now, this is important. I know y'all are thinking, wow, you know, I got it. I mean, you done said it like eight times already. I got it. But this is important because when you and I, okay, take it, let's take it one step at a time. Let's say you got a lost man that refuses to recognize that he is uh, not only a sinner, but has never done anything righteous, refuses to understand the fact that he is lost before God and needs a savior, refuses to come to the knowledge that he has to trust in Christ because he because he has nothing good in himself. He refuses that he refuses. He's, He's stuck in the mindset that, you know what? I'm not as bad as everybody else. I'm I'm doing pretty good. I'm not perfect. And I got it. You know, I got things I got to work on, but I'm not that bad. He's stuck in that mindset. You and I can all breathe a sigh of pity and go, oh, that's just so sad that he won't come to Christ. But understand that heart manifests itself in church people, too. And you know what it looks like? It looks like when church people first get saved, I'm talking about let's talk about a saved person here for just a second. When a saved person first gets saved. Now, I don't know who's saved and who's not. I'm just telling you what we observe. 
When a person first comes down and says, you know what, I need this Jesus, all of a sudden they're on fire for Christ. They just want everything Christ can give. They want all the stuff that they can possibly have. They want to come to be with the fellowship of the believers whenever we meet. They want to stay as long as it takes. They want to come and and minister to somebody. They want to come and serve. They want to come and learn. They want to come and grow in Christ. It's just, they're eat up with it. But you know what happens? You start forgetting how bad you were. You start forgetting from where God brought you. And now, you know what? I've been saved three or four years, you might say. I'm doing pretty good. I'm a whole lot better than I used to be. I done gave up a bunch of stuff. I've done done a whole lot of things, and I'm a whole lot better than I used to be. And you know what happens? You start losing focus on the gospel. And you start thinking, you know what? I'm a pretty good person. I'm a pretty good person. You know, I know Jesus saved me and all, but... Really, look at my life. I'm doing great. I'm doing a whole lot better. And you know what happens? The person who thinks, I'm pretty good. And, you know, it's really not that big a deal. And I'm not that bad a person. I don't care if it's a a lost person that refused to get saved or a church person who's been around this thing for a while. The person whose heart who says, you know what, I'm pretty good. I, I, I mean, I ain't perfect. But I'm, I'm doing pretty good, and I, I'm not as bad as it used to be, and I'm getting better. To them, the cross of Christ, the death of Christ, and the resurrection, it's just no big deal. I mean, why would it be a big deal? Really? I mean, he had to reach way down for you guys, but he didn't have to reach so far down for me because I was doing pretty good. Or maybe you're thinking, you know what, he had to reach way down for me when he first saved me. But now that I'm, I've been ha- doing this thing for a while, now that I've got this religious thing going on, now that I've stopped smoking and drinking and cussing and doing all them things or whatever it is that, that might be your thing, now that I've stopped all those things, you know what, God, I, I'm a whole lot better person today. So really, the gospel's just not that big a deal anymore. And now, you know what, I can cut back, can I? If it's not that big a deal, I can cut back on fellowship with saints. I can cut back because I don't need that much. I'm not as bad as y'all. I don't need I don't need all the Bible study anymore because really I'm not as bad as other folks. I'm doing pretty good now. I don't need all to spend my time in prayer. You know why? Because I really don't depend on him as much anymore because I'm doing pretty good. I don't need those things anymore. So you know what? I'm going to go and I don't know, try to find some joy in some other stuff. I'm going to go hang out with the family. I'm going to go ride four-wheelers. I'm going to go do what I like to do. You know, really, because God just, I mean, I, I don't need to depend on him as much as, as all them other folks do. I understand I need to give them some room. Let them get in there and see God. Don't think that the heart that depends on its own righteousness is just consigned to lost people who are not churched, who don't want anything to do with God. You can see it over and over and over again in church people as well. For a while, they understand how, man, I need him. I'm desperate for him. But when they start doing good, start doing better, ah, that's not that big a deal. It's no biggie. But when you understand that you don't have any, when it comes to standing before God, I don't care if you're church person, not church person. When it comes to standing before God at the judgment, the appointment that you're going to meet, pointing to man wants to die, when you stand at that judgment, you will either be found in your own righteousness, and good luck with that, or you will be found in Christ's righteousness. One of the two. And when you realize that today, as I stand here, 
I'm just as bad outside of Christ that I ever was. My heart's just as wicked outside of Christ as it ever was. The only thing that is in me that's good is the Holy Spirit. That's it. The only thing good about me is that Jesus died for my sins. Now, it causes me to live different. It causes me to change. So I'm not throwing all that out the window. But I'm saying when I stand before God, the only thing that is going to count for me is whether Jesus paid for my sins, whether his righteousness is on my account. Because if my righteousness by keeping the law is on my account, I'm in trouble. And so are you. And when we forget that, when we don't internalize that, the gospel becomes just no big deal. Fellowshipping with the saints becomes no big deal. I can skip it. I can miss it. You know, I, I thank y'all for being here. I was really expecting only like five or six people here. You know, I figured everybody stayed up all night for New Year's. It's just no big deal. But look what he says. Let's finish up. It says, he says, I want to be found in him. Verse 10 says, this is what it means to be found in him. He says in verse 10, he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable to his death. Let me explain that to you. He says, I want to know him. That's the thing. The goal, look at Paul's goal. Paul's Paul's goal is not, I want to, I want him to do for me. I want him to give me all the blessings that I think I want. Don't you hate it when that guy calls and he only calls when he wants something? Those people around, maybe in your family, your friends or whatever, they only, they only want to hang out with you when they want to use you for something. Paul says, look, it's not that I want what he can do for me. Of course he does. We all do. He says, I want him. I want to know him. I want to be in relationship with him. I want him to live inside of me. I want him to commune with me. I want him and I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. You know what? We don't serve a dead savior. We serve a savior that's alive. And that savior that's alive changes us from the inside out. That power uh, of his resurrection is the fact that you and I, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Don't forget that fact. Don't ever let that fact slip out of your mind. When you start forgetting how sinful you were from where God saved you, that's when you start getting lazy and complacent and start doing things that you never would have done before, going back to the same old things that you used to do. He says, when when you were dead in your trespasses and sins, that's Ephesians chapter 2. He said, but God quickened you. God brought new life into you. God raised you from the dead. It says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead will raise your mortal body, will quicken you, will give you a new heart, and it will transform you to be a witness for Christ. Think about Peter. Peter was so, he was terrified to let people know, to, he was terrified to let the slave girl and the people around the fire know that Jesus, that he knew Jesus. Terrified of a slave girl and some people around the fire. But after the Holy Spirit came and indwelt Peter, he stood up before the most powerful men in Jerusalem. And he said, I don't care what you say. I'm going to keep on preaching Jesus because it's better to obey God than man. What's the difference between Peter that night when Jesus is trial and Peter standing before the most powerful men in Jerusalem? The only difference is the Holy Spirit that lived inside of him. 
The power to become a witness. You will receive power. And the fellowship of his sufferings. Understand, Paul's in jail. He understands that in this, in this life, through many tribulations, you're going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. In this life, you will have suffering. In this life, people are going to hate you. The world's going to hate you. They're going to do all kinds of things to you. Jesus said, they'll drag you out of the synagogues and they'll imprison you. And, and, and sons will turn on their fathers and, and, and fathers will turn on their sons and mothers will turn on their daughters. Understand, you will have fellowship with the sufferings of Christ. It means two different things to me. Because number one, you have fellowship in his sufferings because when he died on the cross, you died. If you're in him, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. When he died, I died. The wages of my sin is death. And my death has already been paid at the cross of Calvary by Christ. The wages of my sin has already been paid. So we fellowship with him in his sufferings. But more than that, even now, we are fellowshipping with him in, in, our, in the sufferings that the world is placing upon us. And Paul was in prison. The Philippians were worried about him. They were worried about what was going to happen. Paul says, look, I'm being made right now. I'm being made conformable to his death. What's happening to me is no surprise. It's no shock. And the last verse we'll look at, let's stop at 11 today. It says, that I may be conformable to his death, if by any means I might attain the resurrection of the dead. What this means is, you, you see the word attain, you think he's going to have to work for it. That's not what it means. He says, look, I am being made conformable to his death. I am fellowshipping in the sufferings of Christ. He says, and however that plays out, right now I'm sitting in a prison in Rome. He's facing execution. His head's going to be chopped off. It could be. He don't know yet. The Philippians don't know yet. What's going to happen to Paul? What's going to happen to our church? What's going to happen to the kingdom of God? The apostles are dying. He says, by any means, doesn't matter how it comes. Whether it comes if I die of old age, or if I die with my head getting chopped off, or if I die of some disease, or if I die of some persecution, or some suffering, or something. He said, I'm going to attain the resurrection of the dead. However it comes. He said, Christ is conforming me to his death. And so the whole thing in a nutshell, as we end up, I just want to go back and, and, and give you the whole point of this section. Today, you have a choice. That choice is simple. Do you want your goodness? You may be the best person in the room. You may be the best person in the country. Do you want that goodness? To stand for you at your judgment before God? Or do you want the righteousness of Christ to stand in your place? You can have only one or the other. Paul says, I throw it away so that I can win Christ. The only way to win Christ, the only way to have Christ is to turn from all of those dead works, to turn from all of that righteousness and say, I don't want it. I don't want it on my account. I understand that I am an absolute wretched sinner, that I have never kept the law and that I need a savior to stand in for me. This idea, I, I'm doing better and I'm trying to make things right and I'm trying to do uh, better. I, I know that uh, God's not pleased with me, so I'm trying to fix things and I'm turning over a new leaf. That is all dung. I was going to use another word, but I might get fired. It's dung. It's poo. Paul says, I take all that and I wad it up and I count it 
is done so that I can have Christ. Today, you can look at your heart and say, you know what, where'd my zeal go? Where'd my joy go? Where'd my service go? Where, where'd all those things go? I submit to you that it could be, could be a few things, but one of the main reasons why people lose that is because they've never trusted in the gospel. They've never trusted in Christ. They trusted that Christ would make me a better person and that being a better person would make me right before God. That's not how it works. You have to trust in Christ's righteousness and only in Christ's righteousness. You believe the gospel and you trust in him. It's not just a plan that we believe in. It is a plan, but it's not just a plan. It's a man. It's the God man. It's Christ. My hope is in him. My hope is not in how good I'm doing or how much better I'm doing or anything that I can do. My hope is in him and in him alone. Paul says anything else that gets in the way of that, I chunk it out the window and I count it as poo. It's dumb. Today, choose Christ. Choose to make him Lord of your life. Choose to trust in him alone. Father, we love you. We thank you today for your blessings and mercy. We thank you for your gospel. God, I pray that you would just use the word that we read